Hi, my name is Mary Cruz. And I'm Jenny Whipple. And welcome to I'm So Glad You Asked. Every woman has a story and I want to hear yours. We are here today to kick off this podcast and I'm with my best friend who I've known for a very long time, Jenny Whipple. When planning for this podcast, Jenny suggested that she interview me to get this kicked off and have it happen in the most organic way. This podcast is been on my heart, this concept of storytelling with women's stories and trauma and healing. It's been on my heart for a very long time, and I'm really hoping by Ginny interviewing me and me sharing my story at first that it will open doors for other women to feel seen, feel heard, feel connected, and maybe ultimately share their stories. So without further ado, Jen, let's get started. All right. Definitely have some great questions written down that I would like to talk through with you. And I think most of the people listening want to know who is Mary Cruz and what can you tell us about you and include all the fun and quirky details, what makes you special and unique. Okay. So an overview of who I am is my name is Mary Cruz, me Linder, which is my maiden name. I grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago in a pretty large Italian Catholic family. I would say that shapes a majority of who I am when you think about everything that Italians represent, family and food, big households, very loud noises, marinara sauce, olive oil, meatballs, pasta, hugs, lots of perfume, big hair, heels, fashion. I think if I had to say that in a nutshell, that is a big part of who I am. And I was in Catholic school my whole life, which I think also shaped who I was, having my faith. I went to Loyola University Chicago, which is where I met Jenny Whipple in the spring of 98. We have been friends ever since. But I think a big part of who I am is this friendship. And even though I've been graduated from Loyola for 21 years, that was such a impactful time in my life. Growing up in a small suburb, I went to Chicago for the first time and lived on my own, lived with friends, lived in community. And I think that's when I really got to discover who I was, find the people that I wanted to surround myself with. Till this day, along with Jenny, I do have um, people that I, I consider part of my community that I met during that time at Loyola. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think luc.edu has played a big part in <laughs> how we met and how we have grown. So tell me about marriage. And I'm pretty sure you have a, somebody fluffy running around your house. Since 2016, I have been married to a wonderful man named Mike. We live in a western suburb of Chicago, and we have a wonderful cat named Charlie. He is a Taurus, and he is seven years old. He's got Virgo tendencies, but he is the love of our lives. But we actually live in the house that Mike grew up in, which is a cool thing, in a great neighborhood on the Fox River. I feel like the last couple of years, we really established ourselves. We've made a community out here. I'm really grateful for that. We've made great friends. I serve on the library board of our local public library. And I am very involved out here in St. Charles. A lot of leadership, but that's something I've always wanted to do. And my High school yearbook, I wrote that I wanted to be like a senator, right? So I feel like I'm starting to do a little bit of those things. I just turned 44 in March, and I'm enjoying my 40s very much. Gosh, if I could sum up who I am in one word, 
or one picture. It would be a bowl of pasta with a bialetti next to it with a cup of espresso and maybe a good sweatshirt and my curly hair. The bowl of pasta, like if I if I think of all the noodles, that's all your your cute curly hair. Well, you're definitely um, the all Italian city girl that I think you have done a great job acclimating to a very special life here in St. Charles. Now I think it's a good time for us to both get on our soapbox. It's like, how do we know each other? What can you tell everyone about us and how we met and our journey? In the spring of 98, when I rushed Phi Sigma Sigma, as a continuous open bid. So it wasn't re- it wasn't like rush week, but it was like spring rush. I met Ginny. She had on her platform silver shoes that she got in Europe and her MAC lipstick that was silver. What was the name of it? Gunmetal. I bet you, you could find it on eBay somewhere. It was a very gradual friendship. I'm guessing that in 25 years ago, we were probably, parts of us were the same, but parts of us were very different. I'm sure if we were to look back on those young ladies, we'd want to hug them and just be like, you guys have a great road ahead. It took time for us to build a friendship, but we have been friends through legitimately thick and thin for the last 25 years. Different cities, different relationships, different cars, different houses, different apartments. Hair colors. Different hair colors, different jobs. Maybe I already said that, but I feel that you are more of a family member at this point. You are truly a sister, and I would say, especially in the last couple of years, that you and I both gone through some things where we've been more honest with each other and opened up to each other, that we've allowed each other to be there and help with our our struggles. I do feel very honored, and I appreciate that when I brought this podcast up to you, you had suggested let me interview you so we can get this started off right. And I really genuinely appreciate that, Jen, so much. So thank you for this today, and thank you for your time. No, absolutely. I know that I'm much taller than you, but I definitely look up to you. Not by much, but okay. No, you are. But no, I definitely look up to you. And I think that I'm super excited um, for everyone else to know all these, you know, great details about you. But before we really talk about your story, maybe you can share with everyone what inspired you to build and, and launch this podcast. Oh, gosh. At the heart of it all, what really inspired me is this. I love women. And I love that we can connect over shared stories and shared experiences and feeling that sense of community, like real community. When you hear a story that you don't feel alone and you can say, okay, someone else went through that and they are okay. And I am going to build strength from that. So that's a huge inspiration. Another inspiration was I was listening to the Goop podcast with Gwyneth Paltrow as you may know, and Cameron Diaz. And this must have been a year ago. And they were talking about what it was like to be women in their 40s and how grateful they were to to finally be there and feel this way in their bodies that they had never felt before. And that resonated with me of feeling I had been waiting to be this age forever where I could feel settled in my bones, but not settled in the way that you think settling sounds. Like you were in your bones and you were who you were and you looked at your face and you knew that face and that face looked familiar because you'd been waiting for her for all this time to show up. And and I'll get to this a little bit later in the podcast. Cameron had talked about coming to mom at 47 and that, you know, at the time I was 42 and I had gone through some fertility obstacles, I will call them. And it was so fantastic to hear this woman talk about being 47 and having a child and 
being finally ready to have a child because I think people, especially women, and that's okay, we put such a time clock on us for many reasons, but it's like you have to hit it by the certain time or otherwise it's just done. And I heard that and it was just a sense of like relief and letting go. And the third inspiration was just knowing that I had been through a lot in my life and over the past couple of years of podcasts have gotten more popular me finding podcasts that resonate with my story. And I thought, you know what? I want to tell stories. I want to hear what other women have to say. And selfishly, I really want to interview my friends. I feel that we have all these fantastic people that surround us at all times, but there are so many parts of each other that we don't know. And I want to explore those parts with my friends. So that's my inspiration, Jen. I love what you shared about Cameron Diaz because we all think especially as women, that we have this timeline and we have these milestones that we have to hit. And if we don't by that certain date or year, then it's over. And she not only bravely shared that story at being a mom at 47, but also saying I wasn't ready at 41 or 42 or 43. And that is okay. And I think that's what's going to make all these different stories that you're going to be telling specials because uh, not only we're able to hear from others, but you only need one person to relate to, to not feel alone. Oh, a thousand percent. I want to say one more thing too. This wasn't so much an inspiration, but it was something that when I was doing research for the podcast, I found because I have a tendency, and I know you know this because I send you these things on Instagram daily, but we'll send back inspirations back and forth and I'll save them on my Instagram and I'll just save them in this folder. And one that really, whoa, did it like, man, did it speak to me? And I sent it to you and it just says, trauma creates change you don't choose healing is about creating change you do choose. And that to me was like, okay, all right, let that be the underlying base for our broth of soup that we're going to talk about in these podcasts, right? About healing and trauma and however you identify with trauma and how you identify your healing. I absolutely love that. And I think um, that's something that I'm probably going to remind myself of daily. Obviously, we've talked about who's Mary Cruz. We've got our Italian meatball maker. We've talked about how you and I know each other and going all the way back to 98 and now going through what's inspired the the podcast. So I think kind of that next burning question is, what is your story and what do you want the people here to walk away with, to know about you and appreciate about you and resonate with them? So my story, I'm going to start at the end and then work backwards. And this was this was in my trailer, but this is something that really, this is where it all started. I, after I was married to Mike, we got pregnant and I was 38 and the pregnancy turned out to be an ectopic pregnancy in which I, I almost died. And after everything wore off, the shock, the depression, I came to this realization that I had stored that trauma from life in my body and it manifested as an ectopic pregnancy. So let me now go back to what that trauma is. You know, So as a young girl, I experienced, for a little bit of time in my life, I experienced sexual abuse. And that shaped me and shaped every single decision I made, every relationship I had. I chose every, literally everything in my life it shaped from the time I was seven when I first experienced it. I'm grateful at the time my parents did everything they could to help me in the ways that they knew how to help me get help. I say this looking back now, but 
Sometimes with any type of trauma, no matter the amount of help you get, you can check off all the boxes. The help's going to come and the healing's going to come when you're ready for it to come. And I think because of that abuse that I experienced at such an early age, going forward, literally, Jen, every relationship I chose, I was a people pleaser. I freaked out about everything. Is this person mad at me? Is this person mad at me? Is this person mad at me? Through high school, right? I feel like I was too scared to do things out of fear that people would be mad at me. I did have a boyfriend all through high school and he was wonderful and he was so supportive of everything I had gone through. And we even dated into our first year of college. But I remember after high school, like I got into Loyola and I was grateful to do it. But in hindsight, I was making decisions in college based out of fear. It was based out of this trauma and this fear. And at that time, and I want to say this too, slowly in high school and college, I had shared it with people close to me, what had happened. And they were very wonderful and very supportive, as young people tend to be because we are not you know, we don't, we are not um, wounded or jaded yet, but I'm grateful. And I remember sharing it with you in college and you were so wonderful about it. But I just feel like even in college, I only chose a lot of safe situations. I don't think I pushed myself because of fear. It all comes down to fear. As I graduated college, I did get married at the age of 25. And I don't want to get into that too much here because I don't think that's part of the story so much. But I will say that my trauma shaped a big part of that marriage and a big, a huge reason that marriage ended is because of the trauma that I had stored from this abuse in my body and that I had truly, and I'm going to say this again, I want to reiterate, my parents did everything they could and they were wonderful in getting me the help. But I don't think I knew how to get that help, right? Being raised Catholic I think faith is fantastic. I really do. And I think you could say this about me. You know my faith. But it's what you make of your faith and how you shape it into your own. But the faith that I had learned, unfortunately, had shaped this trauma that I was holding into a shame that I held on to and a shame where I needed to put my needs aside and always forgive the person who had done this to me, which went into my first marriage, which then had my first marriage end. And after that first marriage ended, not too long after we had got married, it was like my life genuinely fell apart. And I was at the ripe age of 26. Literally for the next year, I just made bad choices, terrible mistakes based out of fear and almost just self-destruction. Because at that point, you've got this trauma. It's like festering into this like self-destruction and loathing and shame of yourself And then I'd say for the next good, I don't know, six years, I just floated through life. I don't even like to look back at pictures of that time because I don't know who that person is. And it's hard for me to look at those pictures. It really is. I don't think I've ever shared that with you, but it's hard. Sometimes I'll look and I'll want to hug that girl. But then sometimes I just don't want to even look. But I had at that time too, you know, I had met Mike, my husband, and I was so terrified at the prospect of getting married again that I just kept putting it off. He was like, great, this is great. We have this great partnership. We live together. But I was so scared. I'm going to keep reiterating that this trauma is stored in your body. And for me, it just stored everywhere. And that's, I too, it started, that's when I started to get these migraines. And I was having some issues with my cycle and my hormones. And I look back now and I'm like, that had everything to do with me storing that trauma. And then it wasn't probably until I was about 
maybe 34, 35, that I was like, you know what? I do want to marry this man. I have this partnership with him already and I trust him and I, I do want this marriage and I do want a partnership. And I was starting to heal. And we got married in 2016 when I was 37. I think it's funny because I look back on that day too and I start to see that I was starting to trust him. It was a very big process for me. Now I want to lead up to the part where about the ectopic pregnancy. So at the, up until this point, I really didn't know if I wanted kids because, I, and it's funny because I remember going to a high school reunion and someone's like, how do you not have five kids? And I get it because I come off very maternal and I come off very caring and nurturing. I Trust me, I get it. If I had looked back at me in high school, I was like, I probably would have got married at 22 and had six kids, still kept my hair intact, and that would have been my life. And I think that's fantastic. But for some reason, that that's for some reason, this trauma shaped my life. And that's, I ran away from it. I ran away from the idea of having kids because I was terrified that if I had a child, that my child would experience the same thing I did and that I would have no way to help them. Clearly, your body hears those things, right? Like, even though you don't say these things out loud, in your mind, your cells hear these things and they hold on to them. They hold on to fear. So, even if you want to get pregnant or you're trying to get pregnant, guess what? You're not going to because this is just... It's like a roadblock. It is a... You cannot have used a better term. That is a huge roadblock. So when we did decide finally, okay, no, let's try. Let's And I remember him saying, let's try. Let's see what happens. Like, let's see what happens. I think that we were both saying that too because maybe we didn't know. You know, we didn't know. His father had just passed away. So it was almost like this beautiful moment where one life passes, like the circle of life, and then maybe another life is coming into being. And I did. I got pregnant right away. Then I had this ectopic pregnancy, which was what I will call the beginning of rock bottom for my healing journey to actually truly start. I think that, and I say this back in retrospect, and of course, you're always going to have little rock bottoms throughout your life, right? But this was like my big rock bottom, and this rock bottom is what shook everything in my, every cell in my body, every trauma that I had stored totally broke to pieces. And I, in and, and the way I look at it, it was like, God's like, you have to heal. Like you have to heal now. You almost died because you held on to this trauma so long. You have to heal and you have to be uncomfortable and sit with it. And you need to cry and you need to grieve everything you've been through. And you need to feel like people weren't there for you. You need to feel that. Like you need to feel alone. I want to say something though too. That taught me to be more open with my friends. You can never expect anyone to be there for you if you don't know how to ask for it. So that was my rock bottom. And that was a big inspiration for me wanting to share this story about trauma, how it manifests in our bodies as women how we hold on to it, and then what comes from it. I appreciate you giving me the space to share that, Jen. That 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 is what happened. A couple things that I take away from this that I hope everyone else does is, you know, letting people know what you need. Mm-hmm. That support is part of your journey. That support is part of your healing. We deserve that. And the other thing is, and you mentioned that was hitting rock bottom, and there's always going to be little rock bottoms. But I think a lot of people, there's a turning point right? Where you really make that decision to elevate the healing, but it's going to come at different times for different people, right? A good takeaway for people is this is your story and it'll look differently for everyone, but I think what you're sharing is so important because it it really highlights those milestones you need in order to achieve those results. So I think it's beautiful the way that you shared it. I think chronologically, as you shared, that was very important. So people understand how it's like a ladder of your life 
Oh, now I'm at the top, right? No, I'm not at the top. The top will be like 120 for me. We'll go with one third, right? I'm at the the ripe old age of 38 and I have this ectopic pregnancy, meaning for those of you out there who don't know what that means, it means that it attaches to your fallopian tube as opposed to making a home in the uterus. Because of that, I only had a couple options, one being surgery and then another being taking a shot, methotrexate to miscarry. My doctor and I chose the methotrexate. Unfortunately, it backfired. And because of that, I went into a night of shock. My body was paralyzed. I was, I truly don't even know how I'm here, to be very honest with you. I didn't have like a near-death experience or anything. I didn't see my grandmother or Grandpa Scalzitti, or I didn't see, I don't know, Elvis. Wasn't Patrick Swayze in Ghost? Yeah, yeah, Patrick, Patrick Swayze. Like, I didn't see anything. I didn't see, like, an angel. I just, I do remember the night that it happened. I was in such, my body was so paralyzed, and I was so in shock that I did bargain with God. I said, I don't want to die. Please don't let me die. And we got to the hospital. Mike took me to the hospital, and the doctor said, we have to take out your tube. And I'm so sorry, honey, we can't save it. And I don't even think I knew what that meant at the time. Also, too, ladies, I would really like to encourage you get to know your bodies and get to know your cycle. Serious. It took me until I was 39 years old to understand how hormones work, how our cycle works, and how everything affects each other. After I went through the surgery and I lost this too, but I did have both my ovaries intact, which was fantastic. Trauma was not yet done with that week. As I got home from the surgery and I had a rest, and then the next night, who my dad at the time was currently in hospice, he passed away. And I remember getting the call from my sister at midnight. You know, I knew he was in peace. And I have to be really honest with you. I had seen him a couple of weeks before, and he knew I was pregnant. He died knowing I was pregnant. You know, that was really sweet that he knew that. He knew that. And something, too, that he said to me in the hospital was he had known everything I had gone through as a kid. And on his deathbed, my dad said, I just want you to know I'm so sorry you went through that. I'm so glad I didn't get to see him in a state of death. I saw him before he died, and we had a moment, and he and he thought I was having a child, so to know that he died thinking I was pregnant is a gift. So then my dad died, and then a week later, I lost my job. And then a week later, I, I got a sitcom. No, I'm just joking. I, that would make sense if I did, right? Like I got a pilot. For a sitcom, but I just think that time was such a rock bottom that I had no choice than to heal, to be very honest with you, because I didn't, I was tired of being that person who kept saying, why do things keep happening to me? And I don't want that anymore. Why did I attract this is what it turned into or what is the lesson for me? So during that time, I really came to realize that trauma is stored in your body and it manifests, and that's how mine manifested. Given that the abuse I went through as a young child was sexual in nature, it made sense to me that it would manifest as an ectopic pregnancy because it affects your female organs. Also, I'm very shocked sometimes at how much I know about this, and I'm listening to myself talk. Oh, wow, I I guess I did learn, but I had no choice at the time other than to heal, and I had to really do a lot of work in terms of making choices in my life going forward that were only going to be benefiting me to lead a healthy life. And I don't mean healthy in like smoothies and supplements, like healthy as in boundaries and healthy relationships. Being honest to the point where if I like pissed them off, I had to be okay with it. Your self-awareness elevated, your emotional intelligence (laughs) elevated. 
I saw all this, so I just I'm not trying to cut you off. I'm, no, I'm, I'm glad you did. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to give you a moment there. But, I know. Woo! But this is very authentic. I mean, this yeah. is this is real. This was your story, yeah. and I think it's beautiful you're sharing it this way. So tell me a little bit more about just that turning point for you. What did you guys decide to do after the eptoptic pregnancy? Oh, Jen, I was terrified at the prospect of getting pregnant again. I want you to know that. Like, I remember in May that year, also, first of all, my cycle was off forever. But that was like when I took a deep dive into healing. I was like looking for every naturopathic, holistic doctor out here. I was reading everything I could on trauma and sexual trauma. That was my homework because I was unemployed too, right? And we didn't have the cat at the time. No, Charlie. But I remember in May, my period was like two weeks late and I had the biggest panic attack thinking I was pregnant because I was so scared of that happening again. Fast forward, and this could be another episode when I did get pregnant again and I unfortunately suffered a miscarriage. I was not terrified, if that makes sense. I still was scared, but I often think that now I stay here today at 44 and if some, if by some miraculous way I got pregnant, I wouldn't be scared this time. I, I remember thinking this the other day, like, oh, if I got pregnant now, like Courtney did, Courtney Kardashian, she's the same age. But I, I remember thinking, nope, I would go to the doctor, I'd get all the tests, I'd have a monitor me, I would not be scared. Like, I would be so forward facing about it, like that I would just be honest. But at the time, I'd say from the time I was, so that was like the fall of 17. The last, the next couple of years after that, Jen, it was just a deep dive into taking care of myself. But the fear was so rooted. It was like I had beet juice all over my white kitchen and I had to get that stain out. That fear was such a stain in my life and it wasn't going to be a quick fix. I had to do a lot of work. I went to two naturopath doctors. I went to a Northwestern doctor and all of them are fantastic and I credit them all for helping me heal, like also healing physically, I want you to know too. It's not just, yes, we are all spiritual beings having a human experience. However, we do have physical bodies. So I had to learn how to heal my hormones. I had to learn not just emotionally and spiritually how to do that, but I had to learn like physically how to do that. What was I deficient in? What was I not doing that wasn't taking care of my body? And it was a couple years of doing that. It was a lot of reading, a lot of praying, a lot of crying, a lot of relationships changing. I had a few very significant relationships throughout that time that no longer exist. And that was heartbreaking for me. But it was because I was trying to be more honest with people. I was trying to stick up for myself and just advocate for myself, which I never done. And that's a huge thing too when you're healing from trauma is how to actually learn how to genuinely advocate, not just like surface advocate, but believe in what you're saying. So much more self-love. And self-love is tough, people. I just want to let you know that. I still doubt myself constantly. Even the other day, it was something so silly. And I remember thinking, I don't even have the energy to ask if this person's mad at me. And I'm not saying that to be dramatic, but I just don't. And if they do, and I remember thinking to myself, if they do, would they still be my friend tomorrow? Probably. Healthy relationships, as I'm learning, you're going to get annoyed with the other person. And that's okay. Like, we're human. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. But we are human. But, um... I, and you know what, I, I, I will say it kind of led me up to today. I mean, last year, okay, so this was just, so November of 21. So we did go through some fertility treatments, had the ectopic in 17, went to a new doctor in 18. She knew how terrified it was and she was wonderful. And she just worked with me, you know, did all the tests, did all the genetic testing. And finally, I think in the fall of 19, I was ready again to try, but I wasn't, but I was. But she had done all the tests. Nope, you're good. She's like, you're good to go. So finally, it was remember in January of 2020, 
we started trying. And I thought, oh, man, this is going to happen real easy. And it didn't because I got so pregnant so quick. It was like prom night quick, Jen. (laughs) I I know, right? My prom was not like that. But I, when it wasn't happening, I, the doctor was like, let's try some fertility treatments. So in the spring of 21, in the height of COVID, we did three rounds of IUI. In a weird way, I look back at that time with a lot of fond memories because I, it was like I was finally like sticking to it. I was, I was okay. It was hard, but I was going to the doctor week. They were drawing blood. They were doing these tests. I was taking Clomid. I was taking shots. You know, I was also seeing a holistic doctor and an acupuncturist at the time, but I, It was very fun for me because I remember thinking, no, Mara, like it's okay for you to be this vulnerable. I remember sending you pictures of my arms because they could never get blood and I looked like a a heroin addict. Finally, they had to get blood out of my foot. Oh, I know. Can't imagine a needle down there. No, it it was weird. And then my hand too. But, you know, we didn't get pregnant from that. But then like in November of 21, just from the old fashioned like Jesus way. And I remember thinking, oh my God, like, whoa. And I I mean, (laughs) but we got pregnant and- you know, unfortunately, at the time we got so sick and I had a fever and um, the doctor said, you know, like the, your body just couldn't handle the fever. Mm-hmm. So I miscarried. But I mean, I could give you all the excuses to live long day in the world. I still think at that time, honestly, I was still scared to get pregnant. Mm. You know, I looking back, like I think I was just I couldn't believe it. Like, I don't know if it was like I didn't think I deserved it. Or I just couldn't believe it. But that was also heartbreaking. And that was another kind of rock bottom where I thought, good Jesus, can this just stop? Or is it? was it like, did I not really want to have a kid, you know? Was your fear more centered around the the trauma of your journey or the trauma of the, the um, you know, you had the surgery and lost your tube and just the fear of maybe that, dying? I think that was it. I think looking back, I mean, my fear was definitely at more of like a... 25% at that point as opposed to like 85% when I just yeah. had the ectopic. But I was scared, Jen. And I think, again, that was another rock bottom, you know, and I did a lot of healing work after that. I remember I was traumatized. I remember talking to Mike and I left. I said, you know what? I just, I needed a break. I just need a break. So I left my job and I took nine months off. I did some freelance work. I did some work with the theater out here, but I just needed time. I was pretty wrecked. I was pretty broken. And I was like really pissed that of all the times it happens naturally, right? I got to get a fucking, sorry, got to get a fucking fever. I can't take anything. But I was just like, what the fuck? Like I was pissed and I cried and I grieved and I will tell you, I'm still in a healing journey, right? I just turned 44 in March. I do feel good. Like I was just saying, if I was to get pregnant now, I think I would be like, nope, going doctor. Like, what do we need? You know, all these things. But I don't know. I think that's a story to share too, because I'm sure there might be some woman out there who hears this and is like, oh yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, I get that. Weirdly, can I tell you when I saw that Kourtney Kardashian was pregnant, it it upset me. That, and I don't mean like that. I know she's got like the Cadillac ranch of, nope, that's, wait, nope, that's not the right term. She's got the Range Rover of resources to have assistance (laughs) if she needs it, which, you know, she's blessed in that way. But she has, yeah, advantages that most don't to probably help with her journey, I'm yeah. guessing. She does. I just, I remember like, oh man, like there was like a tug at my heart, you know, like, oh, 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 like that. And I remember how her like saying in an interview, we would do anything for a baby. And I've never said that. I've never said, I'm like, oh man, I would do anything for a baby. Is that something you would redo? Would you redo that mentality? I don't know if I'd redo it, Jen, because there's days I, it's such a weird, I don't even know how to voice it, but it's just, I'm still on a journey, right? 
I do mean the year of 40 more because I do want more, but that'll also mean more growth and more in comfort. But I don't know if I would do that, to be honest with you. We did try the adoption route, but we ultimately chose to stop because it was just too painful. It is a painful reminder of just how hard it can be to be a parent in this country. I'm glad we tried, though. Here. And part of me feels like, okay, we tried. But I'm also of the mind that I, in life, and this with all my heart, like I do believe in working for what you want. And I believe in putting in the time and effort. But there's some times where you just have to surrender. And I think I'm at the point of just surrender, where I just want to surrender. Almost out of exhaustion, but out of, I just want to be. Maybe that's a good place to end. That's my story. So my story is still in flux. And I'm still healing every day. I still read all the things. I try and do all the things. I still have a lot of the emotion. And also, too, I want to recognize that, like, for any person out there who has gone through any type of loss, fertility loss, baby loss, if you're still trying or the emotions are real, they're real. Literally seeing an Instagram post from Kourtney Kardashian made me cry. Like, you know, so thank you. Thank you for listening today. I hope that this story helps you feel supported, seen, and heard. If you have a story to share, please submit to I'm so glad you asked podcast at gmail.com. Please follow us on Instagram at I'm so glad you asked podcast. I'm so glad you asked is part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com.